0: Welcome to the Golf Channel Podcast. I'm Rex Hogren. It's my pleasure to be joined by Larry Nelson, 10-time PGA Tour winner, 19-time winner on the PGA Tour Champions. Thank you so much. Most people get done with their PGA Tour careers and look forward to the golden years. Your golden years have been really golden. Uh,
1: It really has, and I I tell you what, it was the greatest thing. Back uh, when I turned 50, um, the leading money winner on all tours was actually Hal Irwin on the Champions Tour. Uh, I mean, he won more money than anybody on the regular tour, or European tour, or whatever. So it was a pretty big deal back then. Of course, Nicklaus and Palmer and Trevino and Player, all these guys were still playing out there. So it was, it was kind of the place to watch uh, uh, all the, you know, past legends, I guess, basically. And so it's changed a little bit when Tiger came out. The money flipped. <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway, it 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 was better for people to stay on the regular tour longer if they could. Uh, simply because there's just more money.
0: At 69 years young, you seem to be more competitive now than maybe you were when you first got on the Champions Tour 19 years ago. How much of that is your competitive fire, and how much of that is the fact that you've always been one of the best on tour in the game when it comes to fitness?
1: Well, fitness is a real big issue with me. It's not, I don't care about living you know, a long, long, long time, but I want to be healthy while I am. Uh, and I started working with this girl uh, about 13 years ago, Sandy. And um, I just asked her. I said, "Well, give me three more years." And uh, 13 sort of, years and ago, you asked for three years, more years. Three more years. And uh, so it's really nice to have a uh, you know you know what you did 13 years ago uh, at I guess age 58 or whatever it was, 57. And uh, she knows what I did that long ago and that I'm actually doing better now than I did 13 years ago. So it's kind of nice to have a scale or, you know, have something there. And so it gives me something to work on. And um, I love to still go out and compete. Uh, And, um, I mean, it's, and I'm still competitive. When it gets to the point where I'm kind of shooting it out for last place, no, I won't do that anymore. But, um, you know, I've got some top tens in my future, hopefully this year. And uh, if I can do that, it'd be great.
0: Now, the reason you're here in the Golf Channel studio is for Charlie Reimer, who's getting ready for his PGA Tour Champions career. And it's interesting to me that you're here to kind of work him through some of the things that have made you so successful from a fitness standpoint on the Champions Tour. I I have to be honest here. Is there a part of you that just wants to tell Charlie that maybe that ship has sailed?
1: (laughs) No. I I wish. I mean, mean, honestly, I would tell Charlie if I thought it did. Uh, But but I I honestly believe I was no... um, I was not unique um, back then, and neither is Charlie unique as far as his flexibility, his strength, or whatever. But he can become unique, and that's what um, I think that's what Sandy and I are going to talk to him about today, is that we can kind of get him uh, in a position that he can be better than he was at 38. I, I honestly feel that way. Charlie Ryan, that's who we're talking about. Charlie Ryan. But but what's interesting, Rex, and and this is the big thing, and and we talked about, Sandy and I have talked about this quite a bit, golf has changed. You know, the swing has changed a lot in the last 50 years. And the reason why it's changed is because people's posture is better. Back then, somebody 6'4 really had a hard time, really had a hard time playing the game, because basically they were too slumped over and all that kind of stuff. I think length to clubs and I think uh, fitness and that kind of stuff, but posture has been the biggest change. You cannot show me a really good player right now that does not have really kind of perfect posture. And What we found and what I've proved on the simulator with myself, if I get in, in the right position, I hit the ball 10 yards further. If I'm in the wrong position, my swing slows down. So it, it's, and that's what we're going to try to do with Charlie, is just to show him kind of where he needs to be, give him the exercises so that he can get there. So it, not only does it help the golf swing, but it helps quality of life.
0: Now, you said you weren't unique when you came on the Champions Tour. By that, do you mean from a fitness perspective? From a fitness perspective.
1: I started working out, um, but just kind of a hodgepodge type thing when, uh, right when I turned uh, Thirty-nine or thirty-eight, because I have a hard time getting the ball through the rough. I'm hitting my club through the rough. It just I didn't have the strength. So I started running and doing all this kind of stuff and working out a little bit. And uh, a couple of years later, I won the PGA down in uh, West Palm Beach uh, in 1987. But it was a fitness thing. It was not necessarily I just outlasted everybody. Uh, heat index 108 or something like that. You know. So, I mean, it was just, the greens were terrible. They were burnt out. Um, so, honestly, I just out, outlasted everybody for 72 holes.
0: And how much of your championship store career can be said is the same thing? Where same thing. I mean, again, 69 years young, you're still one of the strongest guys out there. Uh, yes.
1: Uh, as far as distance, I'm still a little bit above average driving distance, you know, being 20 years senior to some of the guys that are coming out there. The average age out there now is probably 58, I would think, or 56, something like that. And I'm still above average driving distance-wise. And uh, it's not because of my height. It's not because of, you know, whatever. But it just has to do with my flexibility, my turn, um, and uh, I think strength level.
0: Core. Core. Your core. Gary which leads to core. my next question, which I highlighted. I really wanted to ask you this. Who can do more sit-ups, you or Gary Player?
1: Uh, Gary can still do more sit-ups. But that's really? his that's his thing. I mean, that, that's his thing. I don't spend the time <laughs> doing them. I guarantee you, if we worked at it, we probably could could do that. But... Um, I spend more time on uh, strength, uh, probably tricep, tricep strength, uh, core strength, uh, more turning, rotation. What's really interesting too, and um, I mean, when you look at the guys that are playing now, used to rotation of the hips was the big thing. And you know, rotation of the hips and everything, and everything kind of turned. And they, uh, articles were hitters and pullers. You know, there were two types of players back then, hitters and pullers. And they all, they said I was a puller because everything just rotated around when my hips rotated. The young players now, the hips rotate just enough so that now the upper body can uh, apply all the club speed. And in watching the young kids now, I mean, Roy McIlroy, his hips turn a little bit and then they almost reverse while his upper body is going through. And so that's where all the club head speed's coming right now. But you have to have good core strength, and you have to have good posture and good strength in your back uh, to be able to do that.
0: And not to pick on Rory or any player for that, but that's the X factor. But a lot of people say, in the long term, we don't know what what that could do to the body. Body, Exactly.
1: And I think, you know, to stabilize the lower body and to be able to turn and rotate through here, um, I think is, we don't know, honestly, we don't know how much adding muscle mass to a small frame affects the ligaments, tendons, and all that. That's my biggest concern with someone who has a small frame body like Tiger. Tiger was not a big frame guy. And he got really big, muscular, and uh, I'm not sure how much that had to do with the problems he has with his back, his knee, his, you know, the different things. That you can't work out tendons and ligaments. Uh, they, they are what you got. But the muscles, you know, they get stronger.
0: You're kind of the case study when it comes to this. You said you started around 38 years old, right? which is later in the career for you certainly then sure. and even now for right. players. I mean, it seems to me there was a right way to do it and maybe a wrong way to do it, depending on your body type. I think there's total. I think heavy weights to a certain
1: body type, uh, creating a certain amount of muscle to a certain body type, um, is probably not good. Not good from a longevity standpoint. Mm -hmm. Short term, yes, possibly, because when we started, nobody worked out with weights. Weights was really taboo when we were early on.
0: Gary was... Freak.
1: Well, Gary, Gary didn't work out with weights as much as he just, uh, you know, did all the, you know, the push-ups and the sit-ups and all that. But as far as heavy weights, you know, you got guys that are bench pressing what 200 pounds, 250, squatting, you know, so all that stuff. It looks good, the body looks good, but is it beneficial? To a, to an extent, uh, does it have a time limit on how long it's beneficial? That we're still waiting for, basically.
0: Uh, switch gears a little bit, because there was an announcement earlier this week when you, were, you and I were speaking off camera you seemed to have uh, up an opinion about this. The USGA and the RNA changed their decision as far as the use of video technology. Now, it's, it's two questions that you and I w- really? were addressing. One, you have been playing long enough that video technology is still something relatively new. You remember the days when there weren't, when there wasn't this video technology, but you're not a big fan of it today. Well, I'm not. When we, we played, they
1: our televising was the last three holes. I mean, that was pretty much it. They didn't, The what happened on number eight or nine was just, you know, a memory, and it was very, uh, much self-reliant, you know. Uh, but just as a side note, I don't think I've ever seen uh, too many people take advantage of the rules, but... Now uh, with television, you know, sometimes they'll do the front side, the back side, sometimes both depending on the groups or whatever. They may follow one group and not follow the other 30 or 40 groups. And I always felt like unless you had a camera on everybody, every shot, every time, you can't pick out one situation and say, oh, he did this wrong, when it's something that could have possibly happened to 15 other guys somewhere during the round. That uh, the camera, you know, didn't pick up.
0: And this has led to an interesting co- conversation amongst ourselves. Take what happened to Dustin Johnson at the PGA Championship at Kiowa, for example, when he grounded his club in what he thought was just a waste area, it turned out to be a bunker, and it cost him basically a chance in a playoff. I could imagine later that night there were players watching that footage, thinking, "Well, I did the same I did the thing." Same thing, sure. Has that ever come up in your career?
1: Uh, not in, not in mine. Thank goodness I didn't hit anything that was. Uh, that could have been um, questionable as far as whether it was a bunker or not. After fact. You know, when you got when you got sand everywhere, but you got one area that is designated as a bunker. It's very difficult. I mean, anybody would have made that same. I, I think anybody would have made that same uh, mistake, um, and it did cost him the championship there. So. It's hard sometimes. Um, I mean, especially not knowing until after the fact that he actually did something wrong. And uh, Mike, I mean, a lot of times in the PGA, you actually have an official that walks around with you. Uh, We always had a PGA guy that, that followed each group. And so why that wasn't caught, you know, at the time, probably apparently the PGA guy was not really aware of it either.
0: When you look at the other side of this ruling, which you also had an opinion about, viewer call-ins, emails, whatever the case may be, like the Lexi Thompson mm-hmm. ruling at the ANA Inspiration, uh, are you okay with people calling in potential violations as long as the tour Rules officials go through the same protocol, look at the tape and decide on it themselves?
1: Um, you know, I think it's fine as far as vo- viewer participation goes, but I think there are some people that just sit there trying to find something, you know. That's, that's kind of their calling in life, apparently. Um, I mean, this was this was so, for them to have to do it in slow motion and to say, oh, well, you can't see the the coin once you put her ball down or uh, as much of the coin. I think that was <laughs> not that you couldn't see the coin. It was just not as much of the coin. And we're talking about an eighth of an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch or something like that. And this is over a two-foot putt or a foot and a half putt. I mean, this is a very short putt. It's not like... You know, she's trying to get an advantage or something like that. But, you know, to have someone someone call in and say, you know, that she didn't place the ball down on the exact same spot um, that it was marked uh, is, is just a little bit picky in my uh, my opinion. I don't think there was, you know, I, don't, I certainly don't think she was trying to get an advantage for doing it. Uh, but, with a big coin, it's kind of hard to put it right on the same the radius you know the same time, like we were talking about. If you were doing it with a dime, mm. it's much easier you know to put it back in the same same spot so i don't know I'm sorry that it happened to her uh no, it was very upsetting and uh but as far as people calling in, you know you can't stop people from calling in uh, whether you listen to them or not is is a whole different <laughs> a different process but um, anyway, I, I think it'll evolve into something that actually is is okay.
0: Another a bit of a different topic, and only because the Xero Classic this week is a team event for the first time. I think it's 51 years on the PGA Tour. Your record in team events is phenomenal. Obviously, with your sons, so, yes, in yes. the father sons, you, you've won that event with two different sons, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. You won the the Legend the Bass Pro Shop Legends event. Right. Oh, is there a key? I mean, do you just walk to the first tee and apologize and say, that's it, we're done, let's go play now? I mean, how do you do team events? That's a great idea. <laughs> um,
1: you know, I think you look at it, sometimes um, when you look at a team event, you look at it as, um, you know, you're an individual playing with a partner. And to me, I always thought it was an advantage, you know, not a disadvantage. And I think sometimes people go into it and say, well, it's a disadvantage because, oh, there's so much more pressure. I don't want to let this guy down. Um and Lanny and I had very s- successful Ryder Cup. Uh, he and I, I think, finished uh, Ryder Cups like five and one or something like that as far as team, team championships go. So, um, but, you know, I knew Lanny. Lanny was going to play his heart out. He was going to do his best he could. And there was no apologizing. I mean, if he knocked it six feet by, you know, from 30 feet, that was his style of play. I think a lot of times people change their style of play when they get into a team event. They all of a sudden they start hitting it closer to the hole because they don't want to three putt. They don't want to put a pressure on the guy that's, you know, his partner. When his partner's knocked it five or six feet by a bunch of times and had to make it coming back. So I think that's the biggest thing is just being able to go out there and play your game. You know, if you three putt or if you don't make a putt or if you, you know, hit a bad shot, that's going to happen anyway. And don't put any extra pressure on yourself because you don't want to upset or put the other partner or your partner in a bad situation. I just don't think it's necessary.
0: And Lanny's probably not the guy on top of a lot of guys' list that you would go out there relaxed with. I mean, Lanny's an intense individual.
1: But he did that, and and that was the whole thing, is that, you know, I'm going to play my game, you know, and you play your game because you're playing good, and uh, together our game should be pretty good.
0: Now, I've been very vocal writing about this in the past. You and I have spoken about it, and you mentioned the Ryder Cup, so I'm just going to go ahead and bring it it up. Back in 2016, Golf Digest referred to you, quote, as the greatest golfer no one knows. And I'm not quite sure where they were going with that. I, I think it had to do with the Open being in Oakmont and obviously you having the history there. Does that maybe have something to do with the fact that you never got the call as a Ryder Cup captain, or is that unfair? Uh, i think uh you know
1: people don't really realize how the Ryder Cup captains are picked i think that's the the kind of the big thing and um there was actually just one person that um, really picked the Ryder Cup captains for a number of years and that was the executive director of PGA the other the other cap, the other people that they're there on the committee or whatever the PGA president and maybe the executive guy or maybe the treasurer or whatever but the but the executive director of the PGA is one the single person that actually had the most to do with picking, uh, and and I heard some of the things, just to kind of tell you, um, when Lanny and I when I turned uh, 95 I was supposed to be Ryder Cup captain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of the the way it was, and Lanny came to me and says, "How about me doing it at 95 and you going against Seve in 97 in Spain? Seve is going to be the captain in 97." And I said, you know, that sounds great. I mean, I, I think that's fine. So Lanny was the you wrong You like player. the idea of oh, taking Sevion yes. in Spain. In Spain, uh, captain to captain, that sounded great. And so, 95, Lanny, they let Lanny be captain in 95. Now, he's two years younger than me. So then 97 came around, and I was in Japan. I was in Tokyo, and come to find out that they named uh, Kite captain, uh, and not me. Uh, so it went against everything that was done in '95. I would have been the '95 Ryder Cup captain. Um, I would have been a Ryder Cup captain, um, but we decided, to, you know. So things changed over that two-year period of time. Nobody ever talked to me. Nobody ever let me know. It was just I just assumed that that was the way it was going to be because that's what we decided in '95. So, but. Not knowing, I think you know it's kind of funny winning the u s open at oakmont uh, it finished on Monday morning, not Sunday afternoon, which you know you just kind of yeah okay, if it had finished on Sunday afternoon, then probably more people would have known that I won the u s open instead of ten o'clock on Monday morning, you know um, The USGA, I think if you go and look uh, at the 1983 US Open, there's not a video on the 1983, even though there is one for everyone else. They kind of added it on because of uh, actually RAM's advertising when they cut out all the stuff out of there. There was not enough tape to actually make one on its own, so it's actually added on to the 82. So uh, it's just circumstances, I think, as much as anything else. But, um, you know, I'm very happy. I went to eat at little restaurant last night and yeah, there was a group of people there that knew who I was. So, it's not like I'm in total anonymity, um, but probably not as popular. And also, Rex, at the same time, I won my three majors in a time where people were winning four or Nicholas was winning 18. Um, you, know, you had all these It was these a tough people. class. It was a tough class. Had I done it this day and time, won three majors and had the record I had in the Ryder Cup. Uh, in this day and time, I'd be a national hero, you know? But back then it was just, oh, he didn't win as much as Trevino or Nicholas or, you know, Raymond Floyd or, you know, Hellen won three Opens, and then you had Crenshaw and uh, Curtis Strange coming out, you know, right around the same time. I mean, huge, huge college record and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I was just in there in that kind of thing. A trivia question is, there were four guys that won three or more majors in the 80s. Nicholas, Ballesteros, and Tom Watson, who was the fourth. Yeah. So so I was among four of probably the greatest players that had ever, you know, ever played this game. Uh, and I was just the, you know, I, I was the other guy.
0: You mentioned national hero, and, and this is probably not going to be a fair question that you appreciate, but we refer to the Ryder Cup all the time as a battle, mm. as going head-to-head. Head. You were the only man who had any experience at all with that Having served in Vietnam, to. having been in the military, given your chance now, what kind of captain do you think he would be?
1: Well, you know it's funny. Uh, one, I think the captain gets a lot more credit than he actually deserves for either a loss or a win as far as the right credit of code. blame oh. yeah, it because it, it, it doesn't matter. You've got twelve of the best players that are playing here in the United States. Now, I think, Um, How you pair them really has a lot to do with it. But I can tell you this, that, um, and this, I'm not taking anything against uh, Davis Love, the last Ryder Cup captain, but I think uh, my wife could have captained that team and they would (laughs) have won. I'm just saying, and I told her that. And it has nothing to do with Davis. I mean, uh, Davis is a great guy. I love Davis. But I'm just saying that with the team that they had and with the team the Europeans had, you could have thrown up balls and, uh, you know, the U.S. would have won, I think, that week. Um, they just had a better team i think in the past europeans have had a better team um, and there is some camaraderie a camaraderie with the european team that probably the us team doesn't have it's a whole different situation they kind of travel together they do all this kind of stuff the us is so independent you know we go here which we of time so i think that has a little bit to do with it but if you got a more a more balanced better team than this team you're going to win i mean that's just kind of the way it is so Anyway, I'm. Uh, I think the captain gets, a, like I said, too much bad, and good, for how the team actually ends up.
0: When you referenced how captains used to be picked, and that that is absolutely true, it's changed now.
1: It's changed. With it's the changed. Task force with the yeah task force. It's just you know.
0: Sorry, committee they picking hate Buddies to ask for it. Yeah,
1: they... Picking buddies. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. And used to, it was uh, it was definitely an honor. It still is an honor. I mean, trust me, it still is an honor. But um, it was it was more of an uh, honor and a privilege back then. It was it was given to at one time, except for Arnold Palmer, it was given to people who had won the PGA. I mean, uh, so and then that was broken, I guess, in '97. <clears throat> but uh so it it's one of those things that um, it was an honor given to um, people who had performed and all that kind of stuff and I'd won the PGA twice so it was not like you know the PGA of America didn't know who I was probably one of the only two-time PGA champions that was not a Cup captain. Uh, I don't think
0: there's any probably about that yeah, yeah maybe but
1: but I'm just saying that <clears throat> it it is an honor and um, I know Watson was picked twice, and I think Nicholas was, and, and Palmer, Palmer, and now Davis was picked twice. And um, did they deserve to be picked twice? You know, I don't know. Should that honor have been gone? To, should have gone to someone else? That, you know, because it is an honor. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, he was a Ryder Cup captain. Or there's five Ryder Cup captains playing in this tournament. There's whatever. And so, um, if it was an earned thing. Then I think that would be great, but it's not an earned thing. It's a it's a privilege and an honor that's placed on by other individuals.
0: And uh, I know you get tired of talking about it, but it's something no, I've always talking been about it. About it, it. Be, yeah, it just, nine, three, and one is your record in the Ryder Cup. Well, I, was I was nine and zero my first two Ryder Cups. I did not get beat in my first two Ryder Cups. Who finally no. beat you?
1: Seve won. You
0: no, Seve never did. Tied. You tied Seve. Oh
1: yeah. uh, no, it was actually up in. Um, at, uh, I was 9-0 going into Muirfield, and I actually think it was Sandy Lyle and uh, I don't know who he was playing with. They, they actually won the first match. I was playing with Payne Stewart. That was the first, first match I had lost in the Ryder Cup. And, uh, so, but then I kind of got used to losing. I lost two other matches. There. <laughs> and it actually turned, I actually tied Bernhard uh, the last day individually.
0: I don't think you get used to it at all. I I do want to send you out on a uh, much more upbeat note. If you look at what's happened in golf this year, eight of the winners so far this year have been 25 years old or younger. You did not play on your first PGA Tour event until you were 25 years old. It's amazing. Can you think about how the game has changed?
1: Well, the game has changed dramatically. I mean, I I was having I had my children at the AGA tournaments, you know, when they were like 10 and 12, you know, so... Um, You know, people are being groomed now at at an early age, really early age to do this. Now, most of them don't make it. Uh, There are a few that do. Uh, But it's so, um, I went to the, my last PGA Tour event was at Atlanta, uh, was at Sugarloaf in Atlanta, Atlanta Classic. I go out on the practice tee and I was so out of place. I was so out of place because I didn't have a trainer, teacher, psychologist and caddy standing behind me hitting <laughs> balls. It was just me, just me and my caddy. So I mean, that's kind of the way it's gotten into now. But you know, they're playing for so much money now and uh, looking for uh, any kind of uh, advantage or, you know, uh, because it's 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 huge. and. Uh, so, I mean, we, I, you know, Trevino is mean, so funny because he always said, I don't want anybody had not won the U.S. Open trying to tell me how to play. I mean, that's, so, I mean, it's kind of the, the old school versus the new school. Uh, and you wonder how many decisions some of the guys can make on their own. But mechanically, they're so good right now. And, and honestly, I enjoy watching the golf now. I mean, it is so much fun. I love to see all these young guys win. Um, I think it's been good for the game. Uh, and I think it's, it's only going to get better. I understand that um, young participation has increased a little bit in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's all because of the Ricky Fowlers and um, the, the Jordan Spieths and the guys that are out there playing and doing so well now. So um, I'm just, I'm thrilled to watch them. I think it's fun to watch and uh, which for a time, uh, I can honestly say I didn't watch much golf on television, but uh, now I do.
0: When you go back to that first event, just out of curiosity, you had just played, if I read this correctly, one 72-hole event before you played in your first tour event. Florida
1: State open. I played uh, and bogey the next-to-last hole to lose by one, and that was the only 72-hole event I played before I qualified for the tour.
0: When you get to that first tour event and you're sharing a locker room or time on the range with Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus, what was that feeling like?
1: Probably I was more uh, naive than I was thrilled. Uh, or say thrilled, excited, or whatever. I can remember standing on the first tee at Tucson, Arizona, at Tucson National, um, and the tee was about 60 yards long. And the tee's not very wide, and there were people lined up on both sides of this tee, down for about 60 yards. My only thought, my thought was not hitting in the fairway, was not anything like that my thought was not killing someone by hitting a low healer or or a low toe hook or something. So honestly that was that was how pretty much naive I was about this this whole golf experience. Nobody on either side of my family had ever played the game. Didn't know anything about the game and so we were just kind of learning on the go and it took me took me quite a while to get my short game which a lot of the guys by the time they are ten or 12, pretty much have a good short game uh, established by then. It took me probably 10 years to get to where I was competitive short game wise.
0: Because you didn't start golf until you were 21 years old. I
1: didn't start. It was almost 23. I was. Um, it was the March before my 23rd birthday. 23rd birthday when I started playing.
0: And it's because you were bored. I think it's what I've read, that you had nothing else to do. And I'm not bored, but I uh, didn't have,
1: I had one class left in school from 8 to 9. I was done at 9 o'clock. My wife got home at 6 in the afternoon. I didn't have anything to do between 9 and 6, so there was a golf course right next door. Uh, so I said, well, i just go play golf, just waste time or whatever. But I got so good so quick and fell in love with the fact that I could get good real quick. I played team sports all my life. And I would pitch a really good ball game, and the shortstop make an error, and I lose one to nothing. And uh, I decided golf was something that, you know, if, if somebody's going to make an error, it's going to be me. But if I worked at it hard and played good, then I was going to get the credit for, you know, playing good. And if I didn't, uh, it wasn't the shortstop dependent on it. So people still blame their caddies, but they really don't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mr. Nelson, thank you so much for great time.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed this. I appreciate it very much. That'll
0: do it for this edition. Check back next week.